or new employee starts and having lunch with us, they get inspired by that. And they're like, I want that. I want to... I want to be into something so I want to be so excited about something as these guys are excited about that. And I want that in my life. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Authentic as Fog podcast. Hey Mike. Michael. What's up, dude? I, I'm always so used to calling you Michael. But I noticed that everyone else calls you Mike. So <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. I still remember when we had to talk to my uh, PR team and they're like, you got to pick a first name. And I'm like, I go by both. And they're like, you have to pick one. I'm like, that's not being authentic. And it was this whole thing. It was, it was a very challenging situation. And at the same time, that was really grateful for those problems. <laughs> yeah. I want to start calling you Mike. It, it feels like more, I don't know. It feels like, more friendly. More friendly. Yeah. So you're saying Michael feels aggressive and, and hostile. <laughs> it feels like so professional, you know, like, Oh yeah. Well, let's not, let's not get too professional up in here. Up in here. <laughs> you can call me Mike. Yeah. Can I still call you son? Yeah. You can, you can call me. Son. What's short for son? Is son, is son short? Is, is, do you have a longer name and son is short for it? Yeah. My full name is Sun Wu, W O O. But I just dropped the Wu. Cause. So why are you so anti Wu? <laughs> Cause I, I work with a lot of Wu, Wu, Wu people. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I think I, I think I set that one up for you. <laughs> Yeah, I've been pretty, uh, I had my first, um, live webinar yesterday. How'd it go? So, went pretty good, I think. Uh, I mean, it was my first one. So like right away, I'm just like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done this better or something like that. But I think, you know, considering it went pretty good. <clears throat> um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I wanted to actually ask you, you like. Cause you've done it a lot. You don't, you don't, you've done it many more times than me. Um, I guess, you know, like for me, everything that I've always done was kind of, uh, done for you service. I've never mm -hmm. done this whole teaching or like, um, do it yourself type of like, you know, thing. So I get into this kind of overthinking of, Number one, like, is what I'm teaching legit? Like, is this actually going to help them? Right? Like, <laughs> like, what, yeah. what if I, what if they? Because I, I see it happening. I, I see people taking my advice and just taking everything so literally, and they, they say, "Son, I did this." Blah, blah blah blah. So I'm like, what if this doesn't work for some people? Right? And then two, um, I guess the second one is kind of like. <clears throat> Like if I st actually st start charging money for this, right? If I actually start selling this program and you know, how I'm going to get them to like, is it really going to work for everyone? Is it, is it only going to work for people that are like at certain level of content creators or like, what if somebody is like just starting out and they took my program and it just didn't help them at all. Like, even if mm. they did everything, you know, like they just couldn't yeah. improve their copywriting or they couldn't improve their um, story. So what's your, so, so you're like, is this legit? And then like, what if it doesn't work? Even if it is legit, what if it doesn't work for the people? Yeah. Like, is it, is this only work for me or does it also work for other people? <laughs> so then, so a, I can relate to all of that and B, you don't know until you do it. But my question for you is like, what are you scared of? Like, cause that's the stated fear. That's a symptom. But like, what are you actually scared of? Like what happens if it's not legit? What happens if people don't have the experience you want? What are you scared happens? Then? Yeah, I guess for me, it's kind of like when, when I, when I work with clients, like done for you service, I can make sure it works. Right. <laughs> like I could, I can make sure I go overboard. And if, if, the, if a messaging doesn't work, I can rewrite it or I can, you know, whatever it is. Right. But, you know, when I'm just teaching it and they just kind of go, have to go execute it themselves. Um, yeah. I, 
Well, I mean, I got to imagine your audience, like you have a large subset of your audience that's also trying to do a similar thing. Yeah. And I think that the messed up thing is the people that actually don't have something legit and don't care about their audience are the ones that are most confident. Mm-hmm. The people that actually have something worth teaching and the people that are actually worried about whether their audience gets the benefit are the ones that are the most insecure. Yeah. That's like, because it's right. realistic to be insecure. Like who the hell creates something where they're like, I know this works for everybody. <laughs> that's pretty arrogant. I know how everybody's brain works. And like, I know all their situations. Uh, like, I mean, not to like talk shit, but like Sam ovens, like, you know, you, you do all these things uh, and you're going to go from six to seven figures uh, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, confidence sells because it is simple, easy, and it, and it drives confirmation bias, but like real life is just more gray and it's mm-hmm. more complex than that. And there's a lot of variables that contribute to the people that are watching your stuff, whether they're successful and you're just a piece, but like you were asking, like, you know, from my experience, do I experience all that fear? Hell yes. Like I am, I'm terribly insecure and scared that I'm full of shit. And, um, I think that the thing that actually you taught me was I can't make sure that everybody agrees, but I can, I can find out whether I agree. Like I can go teach this stuff and see, do I light someone up? Like, does it resonate? Does it make the impact? And then can I like, you know, be a student of how that works and do it more. But I think I have to pay attention to the people that I impact and pay less attention to the people that don't, because a lot of times that's about them and it's not about me, or it's about the fact that I have something that's imperfect and it's not for everybody. But like at the end of the day, I think that if you're, if you're going to be authentic as fuck, like the podcast, and I know that you want to do this in a very authentic way, think about it the way a sponsor sponsors a drug addict. They don't say, I guarantee you results. They say, I have experience do some, doing something that worked really well for me, and I'm going to share that experience with you. Mm-hmm. And then they surrender the outcome, and they let the person, they let the sponsee choose what they're going to do. Well, you know what? Being a CEO and, and being an entrepreneur and being a leader and now being an author and all this other kind of stuff, it's all it's, it's very similar. Like, how often it does for it, you. How often does but, it not work out? <laughs> like, when a sponsor is sponsoring someone, like... How often does that actually work out <laughs> and how often does it not work out? Cause they're just not listening. So or... that, that's a great question because, um, like 12 step programs get a bad rap because like their efficacy rate is like less than 10%. Mm. And so people are like, Oh, 12 step programs don't work. Mm. Well, and I've said this before, but it's not that it's a 90% chance that the program doesn't work. It's a 90% chance that the addict won't follow directions. Yeah. And we actually, yeah. and I've been in two different 12 step fellowships and we have some version of a statement that basically says, if you do what we did, you'll get what we promise, but we can't like make you do yeah. all the things. And so Got for it. me, most of like, I've probably had in my life, at least a hundred people ask me, I don't know if that's accurate, but probably around a hundred people ask me to sponsor them in some capacity. And probably it's worked less than 10% of the time. And that was really discouraging and it used to make me think, okay, I got to change something about me. But the re- the reality was, is it, it was it was about them. So, um, like, if ten, not like, if you sponsor ten people, one of them would relapse. Succeed, yeah, or, or or just not call. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that at least this is true for me, and I think this is also true, like in a world right now, with like Instagram and 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 just like influencers. There's a difference between I've been doing this thing for years. And it works versus I heard something somewhere and now I want to teach it to you. Mm-mm-mm. Like there's a big difference when your accrued experience says, when I do these things, it works. The confidence level that you can have in telling someone else to do it can go through the roof, but you still, from a humility perspective, have to accept that they're not going to necessarily yeah. do all the things. But here's the crazy thing about you asking me this, son. So, like, I'm sitting here saying, hey, this is what you have to do, son. But the truth is, is that I struggle with this, too. And so I was I was actually doing um, discovery work on some of our products at the Mastery Program. And um, and I was talking to a friend that I've known for 18 years that, that follows me on Instagram, that, like, believes in all the stuff I'm doing. 
And I get on the phone with her. I'm like, Hey, I'm doing a little product discovery. Like, what do you think about what I'm doing? She's like, I love it. It's great. Like, I so believe in you. I'm like, then why the fuck aren't you doing it? <laughs> like, if you believe in it, why aren't you in our program? Yeah. And she was and I was like, I don't mean in what terms that you say? should do it for me. I'm like, I want to know yeah. because str- I, there are strangers I don't have relationships with that yeah. aren't doing it. And she, so this is a, it, I have a marketing issue. I can she totally, was like, well, I don't. Cause I can relate to her. Right. Like why the, like, cause yeah. I'm like that too. Right. Like I, I know that if I go to the gym and I know that if I go to that meeting every Monday, if I put in the work that it'll work, so why am I not doing it? Well, so, so she, she told me basically without like with sparing you in the audience, mm-hmm. like the entire conversation, mm-hmm. I kept telling her what we were doing mm-hmm. and she agreed it was valuable, but basically she was like, it just sounds like a lot. Like I a have to do a lot. Yeah. Like I have to do a lot. It's, it's just, it sounds like, well, it's, and not just work like in the execution to even wrap her brain around how my system works. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I wasn't. So for example, I wasn't like, Hey, come into our mastery program and you can be an authentic leader and be supported by other authentic leaders. I was like, you suffer from mask addiction. Your problem is you say yes. When you could say no, you hide weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You avoid difficult conversations. Like I did the whole thing. She's like, it's just a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were talking and she's like, yeah, if you were to just say, Hey, come check this out, I would be a lot more interested. And I was like, well, my, my concern is that people will come in and they'll think that I'm going to promise them that they can just like be an authentic leader. Mm -hmm. And then they're not going to know all the things they need to do and the work they need to do. And that I believe they need to do it the rest of their life. And then they're going to leave and go, I'm disappointed. And she was like, it was, it was a really great moment for me. She was like, I think that you are a perfectionist for yourself. And I think that you work this stuff like crazy, but most people are not like you. And so I think you expect them to do it the way that you would do it. But the truth is if they come for a month and they get benefit and then they don't come for two months and they don't get benefit and then they come back, that's still you delivering your value proposition. Mm. They're just not consuming it the way that you would expect and not executing it the way that you would. And I was, and and I was like, wow, that really gives me the burden of education for me went down because I'm like, I want to make sure they know all the things they need to do to be successful. But the truth is that my job is to share my experience, give them the tools and surrender the outcome. And my, my uncomfortable work is to make sure that anytime I think it's truly not working, to like figure out what I need to do to fix it. But I have to accept that the majority of people aren't going to actually do it. Um, cause that's just the nature of this, of, of teaching anyone change. Yeah. Maybe what it's you're like, teaching yeah. based off of your experience. Yeah. I'm teaching everything that I've basically learned over the last 10 years. Right. Like not just from being on Instagram, but basically how to, deliver message yeah, working with the, yeah. yeah working with the brands you've worked with so like, what's the outcome you're promising but people? i think that i think you you just like also made me click in my head too because like i i think what i'm teaching is like it'll work if you want to get there but i feel like i'm not teaching the stuff that'll give you the small wins and it's it's kind of like i'm trying to like get them from like never going to the gym <laughs> to like being a crossfitter. <laughs> but some people, like you said, is just want to, you know, lose a couple pounds, right. <laughs> or, you know, just want to be able to walk down the stairs without like being, <laughs> you know, being fe- feeling like tired or whatever it is. Like, I think I need to be able to have lessons that'll give people small wins too, which is what I don't have. Like I have the, all the lessons that you have to do it like perfectly, then you can, yeah, it's, it's, I think I'm too, teaching too advanced of a class. So well, you, you have, you have the privilege of having worked with some of the biggest corporate and personal brands that are out there and, and, and being a part of seeing these huge wins. And I think that you have an opportunity as you do this to help um, not be part of the problem and help level set people's expectations. I think that there's a lot of people that will uh, sell you a promise of like what one out of a thousand can experience Mm -hmm. when in reality, if you apply whatever they're teaching, a lot of people are not going to have the the lottery ticket experience, Mm -hmm. but they're going to have an experience that's worth the price of admission. 
but it's just more convenient from a marketing perspective to market. You're going to get a Ferrari and have passive income and live on a beach than to say, you know what? Uh, you might be able to afford go eating out more because you'll have some residual income or you might lose five pounds or like one of the things I promise people is I'm like, look, and you know this, like, I actually think, I mean, I actually think that what I teach is the reason that I went from an hourly worker to a CEO. And I think that people can, can experience that, but I don't ever promise. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to start a 500 company. (laughs) Yeah. I have the street, I have the credibility to make that promise. Mm -hmm. I could say that. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I just say, look, man, I think you're going to be more successful professionally, but I know you're going to be more successful personally and that's worth it. And, 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 you know, whether it's that you overcome these huge challenges or you just make small improvements either way, mm-hmm. it'll be enough to warrant the investment you make in what we do. And as a result, I don't think that we're growing as fast because I'm not promising these like outsized impacts, but it, it makes me feel good because I'm not trying to live up to. I'm not, I'm not trying to influence a bunch of people and then trying to live up to the promise that I know only one person can experience. I'm level setting the promise and I'm actually, but I'm also giving them an an understanding of the variety. So like I've said to them before where I'm like, Hey, I'm not saying that this won't make you a unique 500 founder. And I think for some of you, it could, but I'm not going to, I don't want you coming here betting on that. But if you sleep better, if you have less stress and yeah. less fear and you grow your skill set and you work more effectively with the people around, like that's, yeah. that's worth yeah. it. Yeah. Even if you don't get more money yeah. or whatever, and like that's, that, the, that's worth it. Come for that. And the one that's going to become that in 500 CEO is like the small, small, tiny percentage, because it's the yeah. same thing for me when I teach this free classes. Sometimes somebody will send me and it's like, son, I made this based on your recommendation. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is so good, right? <laughs> but then yeah. like nine out of 10 times, it's like their son is like, hey, what do you think of this? I did it based on your recommendation. I'm like, were you even listening? Like <laughs> you, you didn't do it, right? right? But then one out of 10 times, there will be that one person who was who like, wow, they, they really benefited from this. And, but most of them are just not gonna, you know what it is while you were just talking, what I realized, I think both of us, I think what we're doing is we're teaching people how to unlearn because mm. like my whole masterclass and my whole 12 week program that I'm, I'm going to launch in January is all about, um, like one of the biggest frustrations that I face when I talk to people that are, cause all my clients not, not clients on my audience. The ones I want to target are either coaches, uh, course creators or people that want to sell information products, right? Digital products like that. And like the, the, my biggest kind of pet peeve is that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get them to like actually enjoy creating content, enjoy giving value and enjoy like serving the audience. But it's almost like they're not even listening. They come right back and be like, oh, but yeah, so how, like, so how, how can I upsell this person to this? Like, they're constantly thinking about, like, how can I generate more money from this? How can I, up, like, how can I trick them so, like, like, into a funnel or whatever that is, right? And it's because this is what they've learned, like, for the last how many years from everybody out there that are just teaching this stuff, right? They're, like, they're teaching you how to, like, do the least amount of work possible and make the most amount of like, regardless of how much value you're actually providing to the world. Right. So a lot of what I do is actually have to, I have to make them unlearn that because I truly hundred percent believe that the reason why my Instagram grew so fast compared to some of the people that started around the same time as me that I've been giving them advice, but they're not is because they like, I truly have zero agenda in terms of trying to close them, trying to get them into my funnel, trying to sell them something or trying to convince them to buy something. I had zero agenda. I'm truly doing it out of trying to help them. And which is why I go on these like Zoom calls with random people where I try to like help them and stuff like that. But what ends up happening is when I do that, they start talking about it. They're like, oh, son is so generous. Like he, he, he jumped on the call with me. And like he helped me, so like they start to, and then they start commenting on my post. So other people see that and other people see that like, oh, wow, this guy, even though I've never helped them once, I've never even talked to them once. They're like, oh, this yeah. guy is really generous, even though I've never helped them. Right. 
but so many people that I I'm trying to give advice their their mind is there like okay how can I generate more money this year like how can I turn this into a revenue how can I get them to convert so I have to make them unlearn that and I just like okay for the next year just provide value 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 and if you make literally zero money from that like how can you make it so that you would still do it because you just truly love doing it then <laughs> that will automatically come right yeah but somehow but you, what to, you're talking yeah. about is a level of surrender yeah like i mean I, you know what's interesting is anyone that's listening right now like before sun had like more than 200 instagram followers he was telling me to do that so like you're not just suddenly you know with however many followers you have today and you'll have tomorrow like saying this stuff like you're literally practicing what you've been preaching and and so i think that there's a level of you have a level of altruism and generosity that is inherent to your character that most people don't. And so you may not fully appreciate yeah, how sure. hard it is for people to do that. But do you think um, they learned that or do you think it's there is they're naturally like that? I think with the disclaimer that I'm not God. So I, so what I say is, you know, take it with a grain, grain of salt. You're All not. things should be prefaced that way. Yeah. I just, well, here, I actually, have, God's right here. I'm going to you tell him. Um, uh, I, I, human beings are wired to survive and we're, we're wired to avoid two different types of death that are interrelated. We're wired to avoid social death and wired to avoid physical death. And so I think that people have different motivators when they start jumping into the, like the information marketing and, and, and selling game. And I think that to some degree, there is a lot of selfish motivators where it's, it's, it's hard. I don't think most people jump into this truly just looking to give. Um, I think there are a lot of people that will give because they heard that that works. Yeah. It's still but, agenda. <laughs> But they're still trying to, and you know, dude, as, as an addict, like I remember like my first or second year clean on Sundays, I would have like my to-do list done and I'd have to go back to work on Monday, but I would be like, I'm just going to relax on Sunday. And then I would feel so uncomfortable, so antsy. So like, I just like all this dread. And so I remember going to, uh, my therapist or my sponsor, I can't remember who said it. And I said, you know, I just always feel really uncomfortable in my own skin on Sundays. And it's just a really terrible feeling. And they, and, and they said, well, what if you just felt it? And I'm like, why would I just like sit there and like, why, what if you just sat there and said, you know what? I feel really uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, why would I do that? And they said, well, there's a good chance that if you do that, you'll actually feel better. So the next weekend I, I, I start feeling uncomfortable on a Sunday and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm uncomfortable so I can get comfortable. Cool. And I do it and it did not work. And then the next weekend I was like, just noticing I was uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I, I'm just uncomfortable. And I like, I truly let go. Mm -hmm. And then I felt better. And so like the problem is, is it all comes down to your motivation. There's a lot of people that can be generous in terms of what they share online and all that kind of stuff. Your genuine motivation is you're not stupid. You understand that it can benefit your business long-term, but you son have surrendered what happens when you give. And so you're truly giving not to manipulate people and manufacture an outcome, but you're truly giving because it feels like the right thing to do on your side of the street. But I think a lot of people will do what I did with the feeling. I'm going to feel the feeling addicts do this all the time. I'm going to feel the feeling so that I can, so you can get feel what I better. Want, so I can stop feeling this way. So I can feel better. Yeah. It only works when you just say, you know what, this is how I feel right now. And you truly surrender. Right. And so I think a lot of, I think you're, I think you're rare and I, you may not fully appreciate how I, hard that is for people. So here's what I think, right? I think that we were born like altruistic, but I think throughout our, our life, like through our surrounding society and everything, we learn to not be altruistic. We learn to protect what we have. We learn to not give too much of our time and things like that. And then what, what I want to do is I want to make them unlearn that. 
because I think we've all felt at some point when we were young or when we were a child or something like that, where we, we just like, you know, like, you know, like a baby, right? Like baby's always giving you stuff. Like my dog is always bringing me stuff. Like, I think we're just naturally altruistic and we just want to make other people happy. But I think we learned not to do that. We learned to stop ourselves to, from doing that so much to a point now we just, ha I have to like make them unlearn it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I buy that no. <laughs> everybody's altruistic. Like when they're I like one year old, you don't think they're altruistic? <laughs> no, I think they're trying to figure out how to fucking talk. Like, <laughs> no, we're far too high up on Maslow's hierarchy of needs to be talking. No, but I, I look philosophically. Do I think that most people are like, let's say good and, and want to be of service to the people around them? I, I, I agree that that's like relatively innate and that we get trained to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 I do agree. I agree with that. I, I just think that unlearning that I, and I agree that what you're teaching is to people to unlearn it. I just think that there to, to ignore the fact that part of it is literally part of our physical makeup to survive that it's not just a chosen behavior, that it's wired to survival and fight or flight. We can't ignore that because it's a lot more primal than we would want to think. But um, here's the thing, right? More, go ahead. The, the, that obviously if there's like a tiger who's about to eat me, that, that survival is there. But I think we're also innately wired to be tribal and be trying to support each other so that we can survive together, right? But yes, I think what society has created is that they, they created this notion that in order for you to survive, right, that, you, you know, like throughout school, right, like they, they wreck students, right? It's like if you want to be a valedictorian, like that guy cannot be a valedictorian. And like, like we've been wired this competitive nature throughout our, like our whole life through school, through job. Like if I if he gets a job, then I don't get the job. Right. That I think we've gotten. But you don't think that was happening back when we were just hanging out in a tribe in the middle of the woods? That's true. Now that's true. I don't know. That's a good well, so, point. So, but but well, so so here's the thing. That's by the way. That's what I love about you. Like you're truly open to the conversation. You're not just trying to advance a point. Um, but here's what I would say. So I think you're in the right neighborhood. I'm just think we're debating like what the right street is. And, and I don't think any of us actually know, but um, <laughs> I think that, I think that it's more to me, at least, I think we are a little lost in understanding who our tribe is. Mm -hmm. I, I, and, and as a result, we default to, I have to take care of me mm -hmm. um, because like the nuclear family's gone, our actual tribes and villages and all that stuff are there's no gone. villages. Like yeah. we're all, no, there's no yeah, such we're, thing. we're just trying, yeah. I mean, for most of mm -hmm. us that have the freedom to talk about these things and worry about these things, we're, we're looking at a screen trapped in our homes, yeah. waiting for Uber eats to show up. And, you know, like we see our family maybe during the holidays or whatever. And so I think that where a lot of people are seeking their tribe, um, is through digital means. And at the same time, it's really hard to build intimacy and initiate and, and start intimacy virtually. Um, and so I think for a lot of us, we're defaulting to a behavior that we had, but we used to be connected to a larger good that also had our best interests at heart. And I just think that we've been fragmented in so many ways that that, that drive to survive is working, but it's no, no longer working on a team because we're not quite sure who our team is. Yeah, like, yeah. Even with the master program, no I love yeah. my members. Yeah. I love my members, but they're not my blood. So like, how much am I supposed to trust them? How much, how much are they supposed to trust and love me? Are we truly family or did we just have a really great zoom meeting? And we all feel close. Like these are like hard things to figure out. I'm I've personally lately, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but I've just been going through a ton of crap personally trying to figure out what family means to me. Like I've just had all kinds on all sides like what does family mean to me? And so this is like top of mind for me. And so, I, but my point is, is that I think that we're just kind of defaulting to a behavior that was there. It just used to operate in coordination on behalf of our group. And now we're just doing it on behalf of ourselves because we're not quite sure who our group is. Yeah. yeah. I think we like, don't you think authenticity is the same thing? Like when you look at like, um, 
a five-year-old. They're just like so authentic, right? They, they literally like, they're not trying to look cool. They're not trying to, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. But it's all, it is almost something that you have to help people unlearn. Don't you think? Yes. So, by, so in my speaking engagements, one of the things I'll talk about is that by the age of four, 90% of children have been taught how to lie and do. Age of um, four? And so, yes, age of four. So right now my daughter's two. Um, I don't think that she has the ability to uh, lie. I do think that she has the ability to cry to try to get what she wants. And I experience that ability mm -hmm. on almost a daily basis right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that she's thinking in terms of like, I'm trying to be different than myself. She's just trying to get what she wants. Mm -hmm. But at some point we like our little families teach us how, how we survive. And like one of the pieces of research that I used to do for this authenticity stuff was really like working, like really understanding this thing called Trivers theory where we, we as humans work together to survive, but we're also always looking for someone and to see if they're lying to us because if that trust is broken, then our survival is at risk. And so what ends up happening is the way that people get in, into a place of denial about their challenges is they start lying to people in their tribe to try to get what they want within the tribe. The tribe starts to detect that they're lying. And so then what the people do to escape that detection is they lie to themselves. And that's how you get the drug addict that says, I don't have a problem. I really want the money because I really want to get better. And the family member believes them. And then they go off and they break that trust. And the, the addict's like, well, I guess I was wrong. They're in denial. And, and everybody's like, okay, I don't trust you anymore. And in general, I think that like we're learning, this is all based off of this really fundamental statement that Dr. Trivers says. He says, at some point, human beings figured out that deception cause less collateral damage than violence. And so when you mm -hmm. think about like in the animal kingdom, the way that you get resources mm -hmm. is you go, is uh, the cheetah attacks the antelope or whatever. And so we, as humans, we trade in violence and we use deception to try to disproportionately win resources on behalf of our tribe. And, and so we get trained on how to be deceptive and to be deceptive. You literally have yeah. to be in denial about who you truly mm -hmm. are to be the most effective at it. Mm -hmm. I thought we said we weren't going to get uh, as philosophical. I'll, I'll check myself before I wreck myself on this. No, I think you're like, yeah, so? you just, yeah. I, I don't know where I heard this, but I heard something about like, like humans and like chimps and I guess probably some other mammals. <laughs> like we're, we're, there's only like a few species that understands that the, the concept of lying, right? The concept of like, like they say, like for dogs, like if a dog knows that this, this thing is, oh, maybe dog does too, but like oh, dogs manipulate the crap out yeah. of us. They no, but what I'm saying is the, the concept of lying, meaning like I have this information, but you don't know, you don't know the same uh, thing that I know. Like yeah. it's, it's not, um, for all, not all species have that. So yep. some like most species, they think that if I know it, you also know it, right? So you can't right. like actually hide stuff or you can't hide information or things like that. Cause they just show up yeah. in the moment as their true selves. Yeah. But that becomes so, like, a weapon. We should be like them. <laughs> it does become a weapon. And well, now we have tools that can exponentially advance those lies. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so do you think that, so I'm going to go back to my original question. <laughs> so do you think how, how you're trying to get people to, um, kind of train themselves to be authentic, just like how they do in the 12 step. Do you think I can get people to, uh, be altruistic and like give, because like, you know, Gary Vee always says like jab, 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 right, right hook, or like they, he's talking about it, but I, I don't see any of his audience actually doing it. Right. Like still at the end of the day, like, how do I get to this? How do I like they're giving yeah. so that they can get at the end, right. They're yes. not letting go of that, that outcome. So is that something we can teach? Because for me, like I've, I've done that my whole life, like what, throughout my career 
everybody around me, every, all of my coworkers used to tell me like, son, like, don't overwork yourself. Like, don't go, don't go crazy. They're not going to pay you more or like they're, you know, they're just going to give you more work. Right. And even when I started my business, it's like, don't give them more than what they pay for. Right. And I was like, I don't care. Like I, I I'm staying late, not because they pay me. I'm staying late because I actually want to do it. I, I enjoy doing, I enjoy fixing this bug. <laughs> And that's why I'm staying late, not because they're paying me extra or because they're going to give me a promotion. But that always ended up in the long run. In every company that I've ever worked in, I got to a point where I became indispensable because nobody else in that company knew how to do those things except me because of that. And like I right. like every time I quit a job, they like offered to double my salary um, while, while everybody was just fighting to just keep that, not get fired, right? So that is definitely, I know in my heart, 100% that that is the outcome, that that outcome automatically happens if you're truly doing it out of generosity or out of the love, like without, like letting go of that outcome and do it, it will happen. But people just can't let go of that outcome. So do you think that's something that can be changed? Yes, uh, I know it can. I have empirical proof that it can because there are millions of addicts around the world they used to believe I need to get what I want when I want it. And they are systematically trained on how to surrender the outcome. And here's the thing about surrendering and like, you know, whether it's unlearning that selfishness and, and learning the generosity, I'm not saying that people have to let go of the idea that if they give life is better, I'm saying they have to surrender their uh, control over how that better shows up and how it looks. Because when, when I was, so when I was like early in recovery, they told me I had to get a higher power. And, and now I understand why you can't give up that, that control, that desire to manipulate, to get what you want. If you don't believe in something bigger than yourself, you can't. Otherwise you are like, even in the 12 step. Yeah. Oh, no, that's core to the 12 step. But I'm talking about anywhere. I'm talking about, so your people, it, it, if they think that um, I'm going to give just so I can get, they won't ever get to where you're trying to get them to. But if they can feel that, for example, you're going to be more successful, like you just said it, I'm not measuring success in terms of how much money you make. I'm measuring success and whether I can make you someone who enjoys making content, even if you don't make money. That is surrendering the outcome. I believe that as a recovering addict, if I surrender and I stop trying to get what I want, manipulate people, I truly believe that my life will be better. But it's the difference between a war and a battle. When I like want to negotiate you know, a, a, a salary with a, an employee of mine and I want more money for me, right? But I know the next right thing is to give them a raise. I surrender, I give them the raise, not because I'm trying to figure out what I get in return, but because I want to sleep at night feeling good and letting go of the outcome. I want to have less anxiety. And guess what happens when I have less anxiety? I show up next day to a sales presentation more refreshed and more centered, and I sell better, so I make more money. I understand that like these things are connected, but at the end of the day, I got to surrender all the battles to win the war. And so in, in your example, you're trying to teach people how to unlearn this like kind of more selfish take on how you create content. You just have to have them believe that the larger war is I want you to be able to have an amazing experience no matter what. And I believe that if you do that, if you let go of all this stuff, I think you'll be more successful than if you grip hard. But that doesn't mean that I can tell you how it's going to show up as a reward, when it's going to show up as a reward, or if it's going to be the type of reward that you anticipated. That's what you have to surrender. Mm -hmm. And so like millions of drug addicts all around the world went from, I'm going to take money out of your pocketbook so I can go cop drugs and I'm going to do everything I can to get what I want to. I'm going to learn how to surrender and I'm going to trust that that's better for me and the people around me. I've watched it systematically play out with what we would argue are the hardest people in the world to teach this to. So can you teach some content creators to do that? Fuck yes. So uh, let's, let's go back to that whole. So in the 12 step program, they surrender the outcome and they, they are being completely authentic because like, what, what is the, what's the incentive for them to like, for, Cause like even like within a mastery program, right? Um, 
we're trying to show them to s- tell them to surrender the outcome. Yep. And then like, don't worry about if that outcome means you get fired or you lose that client or you you lose that raise or you don't get that promotion or whatever. Let let go of that outcome. But what's like yep. what's like the incentive for them to let go of that outcome? Like, why would they actually do it? Um, so for, so first with 12 step, um, there were two incentives. The first one was really simple. It's, I didn't know how to stop using alcohol and drugs. And these people had figured out a way and they said I had to surrender the outcome to do it. So I just trusted that their process worked and, and the incentive was I get to stop using and ruining my life. And that's like, let's say that what you come to do. Um, the second thing that I've since learned is, well, why does surrendering the outcome make you capable of not using? Well, it's because when I surrender the outcome, I have less self-centered fear and anxiety. As a result, I have more energy and peace, and I'm able to leverage my strengths to be a better human, which brings and attracts better things. When I surrender, trying to control everything in my life, and I just focus on doing the next right thing in like controlling me, I end up having a better experience on this earth. I just don't know what makes it good. Like I, I, I did this bit where I talked about um, when I was trying to figure out my first divorce, whether I should divorce my wife or not. Someone told me to write a letter to God, and I write this letter. And I don't know if I've already said this on here, but. Um, I find myself just randomly word like stream of consciousness writing. And what I see is the narrative I had in my head was I stay in a relationship, no matter what, to the end, I'm a loyal person. And the thing that kept coming up was every time I quit something, something, uh, ended up being better in my life. So like, I didn't have the marriage that I wanted, but I quit that marriage. I surrendered it. I focused on becoming a better man. And now I'm in a marriage that I couldn't mm-hmm. even dream was possible. Um, I didn't want to sell my business or divorce my business partner, but I focused on managing myself. I surrendered. I had better freedom internally. I was able to work on myself and guess what? Now I'm doing what my, my real purpose is. And I've got like all these stories. I can't tell you what the better outcome will be, but if I can self manage, I will have uh, way less anxiety, way less fear. And as a result, way less character defects. And with that less character defects, I will just attract better things, contribute better things and make better things happen, but I can't predict what they are. And so now the reason that I know that we tell addicts to surrender the outcome is if they stay obsessed in their self-centeredness and their thoughts of what should happen, they basically burn out, hurt everybody around them and life sucks. But if they can just let everything go, they reclaim massive amounts of energy and peace. And then they're actually able to leverage their talents to show up in a world in a way in which they're rewarded. They just can't predict what those rewards are. Same thing for the mastery program. Well, before we get into the mastery program, I think 12 on 12 step program, it works because like, I think you're right. Once they start seeing those small wins, once they start seeing the change, it, it makes them, it's, it's kind of like when you work out, like for the first three months, you don't see any change. And then you start to see visually see those changes it, it actually gets you more excited to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. So, but then well, actually you're missing the, the, the first time you work out in the new year's after the new year's <laughs> Eve, uh, resolution and you look in the mirror and you've worked out for the first time in like three years and you go, dude, I'm so much more buff. <laughs> and then, you, and then, and then you realize like, that's just your fucking mind. And then yes, it takes three months to actually see the difference. Sorry. Keep going. But like the, the, the starting point, the incentive is that like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be clean. Right. So that's like a huge incentive yeah. for them to kind of trust and jump in. But what I'm assuming is that the 90% of people who don't um, succeed in that are probably the ones that doesn't get to the point where they experience it for themselves. And, you know, like they're the people that don't surrender. They're the people that keep executing their best, which got them there. And their best is is insufficient. So they Um, haven't experienced it really surrendering the outcome. Yeah. yeah. They, and, and then at the same, I mean, addiction's a, uh, an interesting thing, but like even the people that experience it, um, we, we, we say we have a forgetting disease. We forget like what got us the good stuff and what got us the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So the reason that like, we always have to keep coming back is if we don't see other people 
experiencing the wins and we're reminded of that. And we don't also help other addicts that are completely trying to control their life and messed up state, we won't be able to remind ourselves of the things that we need to do and why we're doing it. And we'll default back to that state. That's why but, that, I, I think mean, that on continuing, like even after you're, you're clean, continuing to go back is, is so important. But you have to like, you come. So the thing that one of the things they told us was, um, come for the wrong reasons, stay for the right ones. So we get a lot of people that have come into a program, uh, for a 12 step program, like, because their probation officers requiring it, or it's a way to avoid jail time or, you know, yeah. or they just lost their wife and their kids and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think at the end of the day that it kind of, if we tie it all the way back to your initial thing about, um, feeling insecure about giving people all this stuff and feeling like you're potentially a fraud. I think that it's all about setting the right expectations. And I think that's, what's so scary because like when I got into recovery, they said, we're not promising you Jack. We're not promising you that you're going to get your car back. We're not promising you. You're going to get your wife back. We're not promising you're going to become a millionaire, lose weight, like, and be on Oprah. Like we're not promising you any of that. What we have is a process that if you work it, you cannot use drugs and alcohol, and that will give you a level of freedom that is worth the cost of admission. But what, when we say that, what we also know that we don't really want to tell them because we don't want to set the improper expectation is you're more likely to get the wife back. You are more likely to get the car back. You are more likely to, they don't see, we don't, we try not to say that we try because we want to make it super clear. Yeah. You don't want to live in the hell of active addiction anymore. Mm -hmm. And we have a way out and everything on top of that is gravy. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I totally see we know, it. We know there's yeah. more and it's all about setting the right yeah. expectations. So you think about your audience and this is what I do with the mastery program. I say, you're not going to become an Inc. 500 founder guaranteed, although you're more likely to, I say, but at the very least you will lead yourself more effectively. Yeah. I think that's where Gary V went wrong, where he says he, he should have just left it at jab, 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 not jab, 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 <laughs> right hook. Right. Because <laughs> Like, cause but this goes back to motive, dude. His goal <laughs> is to do what he's doing and get what he's getting. He is not. I, well, I don't know him, but I don't think you, so. I think he knows that like giving without uh, any expectation is is the answer. And I and I, I strongly believe that. Right. Because I've never given without expect given with this expectation. But it's all, it always comes like giving is the best way to receive. And but I don't want to talk about the receiving part. I, I, like, <laughs> I know I just don't I don't think that he I don't think he offers realistic expectations to the degree that someone who's truly disconnected from what this what saying all this stuff means for them would. I think like, I would yeah, like I for think, him to say, I think his hey, messaging has most to of change. you guys that make this stuff, you're not going to make it. And, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. His messaging has to change. Because what he yeah. says is you have to give without expectation. You have to serve and really provide value. And then you'll get this afterwards. I think what his message has to be like, you should, you should give, you should provide, you should do this because that makes you happy. And then forget about this other part. <laughs> so when I think about when I think about what I hear from Gary V, it's be this really giving person so that you can blow up like me. And what I hear you saying is, at the very least, I want to make it so that you find the joy in giving or making content. The difference is, yeah, making content. Yeah. the 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 difference is one has surrendered the outcome and the other has not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think all of those people are not surrendering. The, like, I think that's why he's starting to get frustrated. Like he, he always says, like, you guys are not listening to me. Like, you're, you know, like you have to give without expectation. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, but Gary, it's because you're sending mixed messages. Like, <laughs> yes, he's saying, but, 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 you know, there's, he, he's literally saying on Sunday, Hey, feel this feeling so that you don't feel it anymore. Yeah, Instead yeah. of just feel this feeling. Yeah. That's literally like, I'm going to talk to Gary V one day. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, man, tell people feel feelings. like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with, how did we get this guy on the show? I'm like, Oh, you know, so, <laughs> I don't know how I'm here either, Gary. I apologize. And I just like walk out. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, think I do that's... think that there's a level of disconnection from the outcome 
that people intellectually understand, but they will spend their entire life failing to achieve. Yeah. And I think I, I've, you, you basically like, I think confirmed what I've been kind of thinking of, which really makes me feel good because now I can just go all in. Is, awesome. Yeah. Like I think my sales page message has to be not like, Hey, do you want this many followers? Do you want to, you know, do you want to, you know, quit your nine to five? And like, instead of selling that, I have to somehow inspire them to want to make content for themselves. And just because it, it's so, it feels so good to, to help or like, even like, I think even content, right? Like I, a lot of times when I talk about making content, that conversation itself makes people inspired to want to make content because they've never thought of like content in that way. They're like, Oh, this is like how fun it is to make content. They've never thought of it that way. Right. Yeah. And so, you know what you're making me think of? Okay. So, so this, I'm not doing this to plug it, but yeah. so here's my book. No, plug right? it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. So I've, I've surrendered the outcome. <laughs> I don't do things to plug it. Um, so when I wrote this book, um, my original objective was to help one person. That's something I learned from recovery. You go speak to an audience, your goal is to help one person. It's always just one person. And somewhere along the way, thanks to like you believing in me and other people believing in me, I like started chasing the hope that like I'd be some massive influencer and be on Oprah and I got lost. And at the same time, I failed to remember the very last line um, or not the like very last line, but at, at the end of the book. So like, so what I say at the very end, so this is the afterward is like, you know, what if, so here we go. As you embark on your mastery life, I want you to think long and hard about why you're doing this. Yes, you will gain a competitive advantage, but I want you to think about what someone asked me early in my recovery. What if all you get is the ability to help just one other addict get clean and learn this way of life? Just one, would that be enough? And so I asked the reader, what's your enough? Mm -hmm. And so I say, what if you lived your mask free life and all that happened was that you helped one more person remove their mask, just one, I'm telling you it would be enough. And every time I think about that, it gets me because it's hard not to want to impact more than one person. But so many times when we miss the opportunity to do that, we don't impact anybody because we're trying to impact mm -hmm. everybody. And you taught me that. And so like, when I think about your course, and I think about what you're doing. What if their content changes one person's life? And what if instead of chasing 50,000 followers or, a or the million dollar funnel or whatever, what if they just help one person around the world? And, and, and so like, while I only have like, I'm thinking on Instagram, like 1300 followers or whatever, and I, I'm not even posting or whatever. My Instagram is already a success because I changed my expectations. I've impacted at least one person. And, and I think yeah. you can offer that message because, and, and this is the thing that I wanted to share. When I started, I, I chased the funnel thing. I read dot-com secrets. I thought I understood all this crap. And my buddy was showing me like some video from Ty Lopez mm -hmm. and you know, he's sitting in front of his like Lamborghini or Ferrari mm -hmm. and he's like, you got to sell them like that. They're going to have something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Charles, I don't want to sell them that they're going to get a Lamborghini. I want to sell them that they already have what they need to get the feeling that mm -hmm. they think they'll have when they get a Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. Like that's already that's inside so, of them. That's so much harder to sell. Well, you told me that and, mm -hmm. and it's true. I mean, I'm not selling yeah. that. I mean, I'm, the reason we pivoted more towards yeah. helping companies is it's, it is harder to sell, but like, it's also the real thing. And I think that you're going to find a more effective way to do it. Cause this is your sweet spot. It's not mine. But I think that there is a level, I just think that there is an aspect of who you are, son, that is a beautiful human that truly wants to help people. You're aware of how these things impact, you know, the business and all that stuff. But you're, you truly, you do these things surrendering the outcome. And I think teaching people to do this stuff and to rediscover the joy and the yeah. art and the yeah. giving is a huge opportunity because right now you are living proof because you were telling and, me to do that. And I think and the, you're following your own advice and you're huge. I think you're, you're exactly like it. They shouldn't even look at the number of followers someone has or something like that. But 
I think the only way you can inspire others is by example. So like I think in, in, at Night Owls, what ended up happening is we created this culture of like, we actually sit at, sit at lunch. We, we used to back when we had an office. Yeah. And we would talk about like, what's the best way to, you know, like turn this database into a, a tree structure or like we would actually get into debates about the actual work, right? Like, cause, and, and when people start having, when a new intern starts or new employee starts having lunch with us, they get inspired by that. And they're like, I want that. I want to, I want to be into something. So I want to be so excited about something as these guys are excited about that. And I want that in my life. And I think you have to kind of, I just have to show them by example that, Hey, this is really exciting stuff. Like making content is a lot more fun than you think. And then get them out to, but I think what happens is before, while you were talking, I, you know, before, while you were reading that, that got me a little emotional, but, um, cause like I, I, like my content didn't go viral like yours, but I think going viral is one of the worst things that can happen to someone <laughs> because it, you lose the, you, you lose track of that that what's more important, like helping one person. And then once all of a sudden you go viral, now you're, you have higher expectation. Now you have like, you know, all these things that you can potentially do. And then that, that starts killing that original. Yes. Motivation. I'm sitting here in the pain of the mind fuck of, I have a Ted talk with 2 million views and Instagram with 1300 followers. Help me understand what the heck is going on here. Instead of saying, dude, that person in India just said that these three principles changed their life and not caring which platform it's on and what the numbers are like, but you know, what's cool about you that your opportunity is, is that, um, here's what I would love Gary V to do. And again, I'm not trying to tell him what to do. He gets to live his life the way he wants. <laughs> if I, but, but I would love him like, and maybe he does this and I just don't see it turn to like his audience and be like, you know what? If I lost everything, I would still be happy. And, and I think that like for you, since you have traction, it could be easy for someone to discount you saying like, just, just experience the joy because they'd be like, well, it's easy to say when you have the amount of traction that you have son. But I still remember when I went to go work a step with my first sponsor and I went to his house and I think I've told you the story before, but he had this beautiful wife, beautiful house, beautiful car, all these beautiful things. And I was like, Chuck, you have all these beautiful things. And he's like, you know, what's really beautiful is they could all go away tomorrow. It doesn't change a damn thing for me because they're all on rent from my higher power. And so uh, therefore they're not mine. And I was like, dude, I want what you have because he wasn't attached to those things, which meant the reason that he was meeting with me to do the steps wasn't because he wanted more of a car, more of a house or to keep it. It's because the joy in working the steps with another addict were far greater than the material gain you can have by staying clean. If you do. And so like you could actually say to the, your audience, Hey man, if all this traction went away tomorrow, I really enjoy creating content that helps people. And I want you to be able to have that same experience. And then you can still be authentic and acknowledge. And at the same time, I think that if I can master that, everything's going to work out better than if I didn't. And that's okay too. Right. You know, Gary Vee does say that. I don't, I just don't think people believe him. Oh yeah. Well, if he said it, then I, yeah, I don't believe him. What made you believe that, your sponsor? Like what, what made you not go like, that's easy for you to say, man, you have this, you know, because, um, I saw him talk in front of a large group of people like 10 times mm -hmm. and he didn't say that because he, he wasn't trying to advance an agenda of how I perceive him. He was just being he doesn't honest show in the it. moment. He doesn't show it off. Like he, he, yeah. And, and it will like, it's kind of like, um, I'm not saying that like you, he couldn't say it in front of a group, but like, we all know the person that's like, Hey man, I don't do this for money. I don't do this for money. And then the, it's like, Hey, can we work together? Well, yeah, I have to charge you, but like, I'm not about money. Mm. And it's like people that really want to look like they don't care about the things that they think what they're doing that makes them look a little greedy mm. or whatever. So I know that like, I, 
I'll give you the contrast. There's another addict that I know that like at his, at his when he would celebrate, he would brag about how much money he was making. Mm-hmm. And as and, and his his attempt was to show that recovery works, but he's also bragging about how much mm-hmm. money he's making, which means he's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Chuck wasn't doing that in these big groups. It was just I was like, hey man, I want what you have. He's like, dude, honestly, he's like the real awesome thing is I'm not attached to it. And he wasn't trying to control how I perceived him. He was just answering a question honestly. It's so funny how like. True authenticity, like, just comes off so subtly like that, huh? Like, it's, like, because, like, everyone in the world thinks, like, Gary Vee is so authentic. But he's not. I I just saw, like, a couple of weeks ago this video uh, from this guy on YouTube. His name is Mike Winnett. And he's, he has the whole channel that talks about, like, how, you know, these, how, how these, like, seven figure income guys are trying to like con people out of there. Like, like that's like his whole thing, exposing these people like Ty Lopez and Grant Cardone and all that. Oh, also I want to watch it. <laughs> but he, he actually had a meeting with Gary V and he, he had this whole talk with Gary V and Gary V agreed with him. They're like, yeah, everybody's trying to like, you know, sell you this blah, 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 blah. And then, but it, like in that video, he makes Gary V look kind of like not a bad guy. Right. But then recently, this was a while ago, recently he was, he did an interview with this other YouTube channel and he actually talked about like the actual experience of meeting Gary Vee and everything. And it completely, totally made me change like my entire opinion of Gary Vee, right? And, but it's probably not just what he said. It's probably a combination of that and those subtle little things that I've been seeing from Gary Vee for a long time combined is what and and that's it's probably just like the camel that like the 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 straw that broke the camel's back but i think it's it's, that authenticity i think is really easy to spot even if you're trying to hide it i think that so the thing that here's the thing i don't really see with gary v I kind of don't like like they were ganging up on him, but I think he can handle it. Um, <laughs> I love Gary Vee, so <laughs> pe- people. Pe- so authenticity is not saying the thing that other people don't like. It it's not say- it's not saying outlandish things. Like that's not authenticity. Authenticity is being vulnerable and showing your true self, um, no matter what, especially in circumstances where you're scared you'll be rejected. Gary Vee knows damn well that when he challenges the establishment, people love him. And so he says those outlandish things. I've never really seen him be truly vulnerable. And like, I distinctly remember watching a video. This is where I decided that I I didn't really want to follow Gary Vee anymore because I was like, Oh, well he's telling it like it is. I like that, blah, blah. And then I realized like, to me, he was like playing a character of, I tell it like it is blah, blah. And, um, he was doing this, uh, keynote and there was this clip where he was, um, talking about how important meditation mindfulness was. And so someone in the audience asked him, like, you know, it sounds like you're saying that meditation mindfulness is like really important, but I don't get the sense that you meditate. And he said, um, I don't. And, and, and the guy said, why? And he said, because I'm a hundred percent happy. A hundred percent of the time, Mm -hmm. my mind is perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think he was trying to make a point, but I don't trust anyone that isn't truly vulnerable. Anyone can, I mean, anyone can play. Like I, I told you about when I was trying to be authentic, Mike, and I wasn't being authentic, right? Mm-hmm. The vulnerability is, am I willing to like record when I get called out for being inauthentic and then share that with everybody too? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's yeah. like real authenticity is owning our challenges, not playing the part of disruptor. Like there's yeah. a big difference yeah. and human beings are very dynamic and very flawed. And so if all you do is put out there that I'm challenging status quo, challenging status quo, challenging status quo, challenging status quo, you're not showing me who you truly are. You're showing me a facet of what you do. Yeah. You as a human, you, you got, you got stuff where you got probably hang up around sex, food, body image, romantic relationships, family. Like you, you, you struggle to stay present when you want, like we as humans have a lot of flaws, man. And if you can't show me your humanity, you're not being authentic. You're showing me yeah. a part of you that you think checks the box on being authentic. I think what Gary V does is I think he's 80, like he's like 80% there. Like, I think 
80% he does care about people, he does want to help, and things like that. I agree. I think there's like that 20% where he doesn't, and he's not willing to admit it. And I think that's, that's, and that's, that's what that whole interview I saw with that Mike guy showed me because I, cause I can totally picture Gary Vee doing that. Right. So, you know, so how can I picture Gary Vee doing that? Because there's probably some other videos where I, where I saw like a little hint of that before. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, but also part of it is you're a human. So you go mm -hmm. back to what I talked about the Traverse theory, where we start to detect where other people are deceiving us. Mm -hmm. you know, you're a human and you're picking up on the fact that you're not seeing the range of humanity from this person that's professing to be authentic. That's true. Yeah. You're seeing these dimensions. And so any human can start to detect I'm clearly dealing with a filter. Everybody has the person in their life that they know is holding something back. And yeah. you don't, they don't have to be Gary V for them to be able to detect that yeah. and see that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I don't, I, I, I totally uh, believe that he truly wants to help people. I'm just saying that the authenticity is not nobility. Tony yeah, Soprano two different in things, the, yeah. <laughs> it was authentic. Yeah, yeah. He was That's authentic. True. He liked to whack people. Um, I'm just saying <laughs> that he tries to say that he's authentic when what he really is, is he is polarizing and, and disruptive and he has a lot of positive intent behind it. But I don't think that he's fully authentic as a human because he professes to share all of his humanity with us. And yet we get a curated version of his humanity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the, this is either the, how does son launch his course being true to himself podcast or the Gary V discussion podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'll I think interested to see that, how you that, title it. Yeah. I mean, the second one is more like, this is so meta. Cause like the second one is more enticing, right? Like that, that's what people want to see. Not the oh, first one, yeah. but the reality is it's really about the first one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally right. My course is going to be the same thing. Like, I know there are easier way for me to sell my course and probably sell 10 times as much more. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to be able to sleep at night, right? If I do that because of the conversation we had today. But I, I also know somewhere in the back of my mind that if I do sell 90% less, but be be confident that I am helping people and I'm just being my, you know, doing what I believe in 10 years later, it will get there. It, it will come back in tenfold. But for now, I can't yeah, worry about that. A, <laughs> you, and you will have a better experience as a human doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that nobody that wants ten, to wake up trying to live up to who they think, who, who other people think they are. Yeah, exactly. I definitely can't. I, that'll drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely you. You cannot. Dude, this is great. Yeah. Thank you so much for another great conversation. We went pretty Dude, deep. I, I love you, my brother. And um, I always enjoy the conversations. And hey, you know what? If anyone's listening and they have constructive criticism, like, like feedback, like, Hey man, I wish you had not gotten so philosophical <laughs> or I wish you got, you know, not said the F word or I, I know I would love to hear it because yeah. I, I want to be of service to your audience. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So let, let us <laughs> yeah. know in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Let us, yeah, seriously. Like don't, don't hold back. Oh God. What did I just do? <laughs> okay. We should definitely uh, set up a call this week. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, about the others. Yes, absolutely. I agree. But yeah, um, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Word. Bye. Bye.